My name's Emily and I'm an osteopath and healthcare enthusiast working in the Midlands. I spend every week helping my patients reduce their aches and pains, move their bodies more and live the healthiest life possible. And now I want you to join the conversation. In this podcast, I'll be investigating the people and places around the Midlands that are on the same mission and ask them to share their knowledge to transform your health. There's no subject that's off topic. Nutrition, mental health, sleep and fitness, it's all here. This is the Healthy Midlands podcast. I am delighted to be joined today by Lisa Mathias from Tiny Talk, Sutton Coalfield and Litchfield. Lisa runs baby signing and communication classes in Sutton Coalfield and Litchfield where new parents can meet one another and socialise and get to know even more about raising young babies and toddlers. Hello, Lisa. Hello. How are you? Having me. <laughs> Thank you for coming. Um, I'm so excited to talk to you about signing today. It's something that I've been interested in for a really long time and even found a use for in clinic. Um, it's just fascinating to me that you can teach babies to communicate before they can speak. Do you want to tell me a little bit about the work that you do with Tiny Talk? Yeah, of course. Um, so obviously, before humans um, developed the ability to be able to talk, we would have communicated through gestures like animals do. And so it's building upon that um, natural ability that we've evolved from and using that with babies before they have developed um, the ability to be able to talk themselves, because obviously speech takes a little while while those muscles and vocal cords are developing. Um, and so naturally, we can then use those gestures and hand movements for us to be able to understand what it is that they want and need um, rather than them being frustrated and having to just cry because we're not <laughs> understanding what they want. Yeah, I mean, for kind of a long time, the only noises that babies can make are cry noises. Um, and so to be able to understand how they feel, are they hungry, are they tired? Um, I know that a lot of new parents, it's it's quite mind-boggling isn't it and it's a guessing game in the first few weeks and they're trying to get to know this new little person um and then so as time goes on it's I should imagine a really good bonding tool as well that if you can understand what your baby's trying to tell you that you feel like you're bonding with them more definitely um so as you sort of quite rightly said, um, initially babies will cry to get needs met. And so they have a few sort of innate cries that parents have to sort of learn to, to understand and have that one-to-one -one with, their, with their baby. What we want to then do is sort of take that further so that rather than a baby having to cry for what they want or if they want something that isn't one of those innate needs, that they can express themselves so by teaching them simple gestures as we're talking to them, and that's always important as well, it's not standalone um, as if you were talking with a deaf person, we're using those simple signs alongside speech, so the hearing language modelled all of the time, and it's just giving that visual scaffolding for what you're talking about and making the link then between what's happening around them. So for example, when you're um, about to give them a feed, obviously they might be crying for that feed, so you want to get them settled first and then perhaps if you've got that good eye contact with them start introducing that sign so as you're talking to them saying oh is that better are you enjoying your milk oh is that what you wanted and you can then as you say the word milk use the milk sign as well yeah so they start to become familiar that when mom or dad if dad's giving the feed um is using this particular hand gesture and you're saying the word milk that actually oh i'm getting the milk at the same time so that 
that becomes more familiar. Once they understand that that's what that sign means, when they start crying and mum starts saying, you want your milk, you're hungry, and sees them using the sign and saying that word again, they're like, oh, actually, milk's coming now, I don't need to keep crying. Yeah. And so then they start to relax, they might smile um, at the parent that's talking to them and go, okay, I know that milk's coming And isn't coming that now. like, that's such a lovely moment of communication between a parent and a child, instead of having this like frustration building in your home and the stress levels going up, if you can get to a point where you can effectively communicate, that's so calm and so peaceful and so lovely to be able to do. Oh, it just sounds amazing. Yeah, oh, it is lovely. I mean, the first time that my eldest signed milk, um, I would normally be the one that had got her up from her afternoon nap, and then she would have her bottle. And my husband went in to go get get her from her nap, and she obviously thought, oh, hang on a minute. I'm not sure if I'm going to get what I want here. (laughs) Um, And she signed milk, and he said to me, she's signing milk in the cot. And I was like, well, that's because she normally has her milk at this time. time. But that was the first time she signed it because Dad had gone in, and she'd obviously (laughs) thought, oh, hang on a minute, something's a little bit different here. And so she felt the need to kind of say, actually, I am hungry and I want my milk. So do you find that children who come to classes or have learnt signing through you kind of in lockdown online, are they, do they feel kind of more settled and more confident, would you say? Do you find that parents relay that back to you after they've been signing for a few months? Um, So in terms of the little ones, definitely... um, Parents and little ones using signs at home does help to uh, reduce those frustrations and little ones get obviously more confident um, with asking for what they want. Um, In terms of lockdown, obviously that is quite a a sort of key thing in terms of our parents and the classes being able to continue online during that time. Yeah. Um, In terms of keeping the routine for the little ones, Obviously, it's important that as little ones um, develop, that their needs may change and what they, you know, what signs they need, obviously starts to increase. Um, or there may be particular signs that you know weren't relevant when they're a baby, but as they get older, things that they want, yeah. playtime and so on. So it was important to keep that going for um, the little ones, but obviously for the parents as well. Just that little bit of routine in their mm. day when everything else was just crazy and the days were sort of blurring into one um and so during lockdown it tended to be parents who had already been with me that were doing the online lessons because for them that was their bit of stability and like you say it was important to keep that up with little ones um because repetition is obviously really important yeah and Um, that progression of learning with yes yeah developing the language um and showing them signs that perhaps they've seen a few times but weren't relevant. So, for example, like with babies, obviously we focus on things like the milk sign, sleep, nappy. Um, but obviously food is not as relevant at that point yeah, until but then they get you're... through the weaning process. So suddenly <laughs> it's like, oh, well, we want those signs. Obviously, if they'd sort of gone away and perhaps not been using those, then yeah. like, oh, I've forgotten what that is. But by attending the classes every week, we incorporate in all those signs regularly in the songs and the activities that we're doing. And also, as I, as I mentioned before, it's that 
aspect of the parents still being able to access what we were doing, being able to talk to other parents um, that are going through the same yeah, sort of stages. Having with their a young ones. baby in lockdown, I know from kind of patients who come into clinic and visit us, if they were new parents in lockdown, to suddenly have that where you're at home, you're by yourself, you haven't got the support network of your family, you haven't got the support network of friends who you've met at baby classes or NCT or anything like that. To carry to be able to carry on with a Zoom class must have been an absolute gift because it would have been like they're only mooring to a social group of people who were going through the same thing as them. Yeah, definitely. Um, I actually had a parent literally say to me on Monday that my classes were a lifeline during the lockdown. She'd joined um, with her little one about eight weeks old, I think she said, um, and she's now obviously in my toddler classes. And yeah, definitely, you know, as a new parent coming out to the classes when you don't know anybody and you want to meet parents that are, like you say, going through the same thing and being able to talk about things that you're worried about with your little one and somebody else being able to say yes that's 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 normal yeah i'm doing the same teething is obviously one of the the common things that comes up in class and the sleepless nights and so it was important that that could continue and i'm i'm really grateful that the nature of our classes meant that we were able to adapt and move those online yeah and adapt again when we came back into classes last september with social distancing and still being able to you know get across the main points of what our classes are all about yeah despite the fact that we had to sort of sit further apart than we normally would yeah and just still being able to have that important element of mums and babies being able to like say bond and communicate with each other and um have that support network in our classes despite the fact that we were still under certain restrictions yeah and so give me a rundown of all of the kind of scope of your classes Lisa so you you go from young babies all through to toddlers how do you break it down into different groups if I was a listener on the podcast and I'm thinking okay I've got um a child at home who I would like to learn to sign with um where if you could give me kind of like a little breakdown of what kinds of classes that they could find with Tiny Talk yes of course okay so the first class that um new parents can join is our newborn communication courses so these are a six-week course that is an introduction to baby signing but in a much more gentler way and these are tailored specifically for parents with babies that are 12 weeks or under when they start that course so you could have you know new parents coming with literally like a one or two week old baby and obviously we expect that babies may you know need a feed or sleep during a class and so one of the key things about um, our tiny sort classes is it's not just for the baby it is for the parents as well and so in those newborn communication classes we sort of look at how the baby is trying to communicate through their senses in the very early days when it's literally just innate cues and the cries that we talked about before um introducing a few simple signs so that when baby is awake and alert you can start building those into your routine and then once they've done that course or if somebody has not sort of seen that and has a child that's a little bit older we then have our baby signing classes which is sort of the core um class that tiny talk started with 
Um, and in that class, we have babies that uh, may still be sort of very little, right through to the crawlers. And then generally when they're sort of walking is about the kind of age that they would probably move up to toddlers around sort of 16, 18 months, sometimes a little bit sooner if they're obviously very confident on their feet and have been signing a long time and are ready for that, yeah. that next step. So there's always a bit of flexibility there as well. But the key thing in the classes to sort of introduce the signs is to do it in a fun way so that it's easy for parents to try and remember, you know, a few key signs yeah. um, when they've not slept very well and they've had a lot going on, but also to keep it it fun for little ones as well. So Absolutely. In, yeah. And this is one of the things that you are so good at on Instagram. <laughs> Thank you. So I have stalked Lisa relentlessly on Instagram to learn some basic signing for a, a few particular patients um, who I have who are um, not nonverbal, but have very limited sort of capacity for speech. And so what I decided to do was they could sign, I couldn't sign. So I needed to learn how to do some signs to communicate with them in their treatments. And that was how I first came to learn about Tiny Talk was that I was looking for accounts of people who were doing signing videos on Instagram. And your signing videos are so, so good. And I particularly like it when you sing. And it really <laughs> helps me. You know, I don't have any children, but it really, really helps me to cement them in my mind. Then, and I'm, I'm kind of do like, honestly, have a few random words um, from songs, but they stick in in my mind yes. to use in conversation with my patients then um, because I learned them through a song. But I think if I had just seen someone say, oh, this is the sign for um, Miss Polly had a dolly who was sick, sick, sick. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so I know the sign for sick. <laughs> Don't ask me like how I'm going to use that in a conversation, but I know it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think that's what drew me to it as well. I think that... Um, I love sort of learning with music and I do, I'm quite a visual person as well. So I do feel that having those signs alongside the words of a song and just using it in a fun visual way, really important. And especially when you've got some sort of unusual signs that sort of then will stick in your mind, either because it's a little bit different when you look at it or because you've assigned it to the actual um, lyric in the song. Yeah. One of the signs that, always makes parents laugh because it's a little bit of a tricky one is the sign for squirrel oh yeah so basically you have like a full c hand it starts on your hip and then you sort of wiggle your hand up oh, like dear. the shape of the tail ah. but parents are always a bit like how do i do that with my hand so this is one that we do in toddlers when we're um doing sort of the, the uh, animals and yes it's it's always a fun one it's it, a bit more unusual yeah. oh, i like um, it <laughs> because because you don't teach that one as often i think that's one of the ones that they kind of struggle with but then it sticks because it's a little because bit it's so different. odd yeah yeah and um one of my favorites is the sign for cow which we use loads because it comes up in lots of the nursery rhymes so with that one you have your thumb and little finger extended you tuck the other fingers in and then you pop those on your head like the cow's horns oh. so that's always a good visual one that makes the baby smile as well when you're sort of singing about when all the cows are singing yeah. dangle oh no god that's great and it's it, like you said it is so silly and visual and fun i can't imagine that there's people who can't crack you know end up not being cracking a smile in the class and having a good laugh and a it's bonding with other parents isn't it yeah definitely and 
as well as the sort of element of using it with their children like you said before about having looked at my account because you were looking to communicate with somebody through work I've had so many parents that have then gone on to be able to use some of the signs that they've learnt through their jobs as well so obviously if you were communicating fully with a deaf person then ideally you would use BSL which is British Sign Language Uh, so BSL is a language in itself. It has its own structure and grammar, as well as uh, facial expressions. And you're not saying the word. You're you're using your lip pattern <clears throat> to to mouth the word. And some lip patterns you don't even mouth the word. You're using certain expressions. Um, but obviously, most people haven't got that sort of ability to be able to know that because. Yeah, and it's so. It's so intricate, isn't it? If you ever have the signing on the telly at the same time that somebody's talking, and especially if it's live, like the skill in those signers is just unbelievable that they can translate it into British Sign Language, get it done so quickly. And there's such finesse with, like you said, all of the facial expressions and the lip movement and the hands and the kind of the whole posture, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, indeed. I mean, I've done my level one and two, and that was tricky. Obviously, the interpreters that are on the TV, they're, you know, they're fully qualified. They've got lots of experience with deaf people. And yes, like you say, not only are they translating, but they're having to listen to the English being spoken first, then think about translating in their heads, then translate it while still following the conversation. I mean, I just... I don't know how they do it. It's just absolutely astounding. It's incredible. Um, And so, yeah, most people obviously don't have that ability. They're not qualified to do it. A lot of people don't have any experience um, communicating with deaf, um, the deaf community. No, but in an emergency, in a pinch, a little bit of very basic signing would help. So a lot of deaf people that, you know, parents have come into contact with... Um, have appreciated, you know, their attempts to sort of communicate with them through some basic sign because often deaf people will understand English as well because they have to learn it to be able to write it down and to read things. And so effectively they know two languages because they know English and they know BSL. Yeah. And so if we can sort of use a little bit of sign um, in our attempts to communicate with them, yeah. then that, you know, it's not perfect but, but it's, it's a lovely it's, gesture. It is, yeah, and when little ones have been signing away to their parents and a deaf person has spotted them and realised that they're signing, you know, it, it, a lot of the stories you get from parents is, you know, it's made that person deaf because they're like, oh. And I think the more children um, are able to sign, then, you know, going forward, how lovely would it be if every child at school knew how to sign as well and yeah. was able to therefore you know, communicate with anybody and it'd be more inclusive. Yeah, it really bridges um, a gap, doesn't it? Definitely. A gap that is at the moment, you know, huge, but obviously would need to be done in the right way in terms of deaf instructors being able to teach yeah. older children, not just the signs, but the structural element of it is a, as well, which obviously yeah. is above the level of where our classes finish. Yeah. Because our classes obviously are aiming to encourage early communication with generally hearing children although we do get some deaf children come come through as well and parents are just trying to be able to support them as much as possible whilst learning 
you know, BSL alongside it. It's quite nice though, isn't it? I think even as a little, I find myself doing it sometimes if I've had my patient in who I use the basic signing with, that then I'll kind of leave that appointment and I find that I'm still doing a little bit of it. And I love like you kind of punctuate a sentence with a little sign or like um, I know that in the clinic at the moment, our team, I think groups of people do this. You have sort of a particular word that people latch on to in conversation and you start using it. It's a bit of a favorite and then it starts getting used a bit more. And I know that naughty is a big word that we use in clinic. <laughs> a patient hasn't attended their appointment. They're naughty. Um, we haven't kind of used used the last tea bag in the staff room. You're naughty, and to kind of like throw your little finger up in the air and wag it and tell your colleague that they're naughty just kind of adds a little bit of. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that right? That's naughty so, yeah, so, or like bad? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the, li- the little finger is generally um, used in signs that are, are negative. So Ooh. yeah, so yeah, bad. Um, <laughs> Whereas the the thumb is usually like positive signs. So that's why you'd have like a thumbs up for good. You would bounce that off the other hand for fantastic. And then you do like a double thumbs up and circle them forward in like a little wheel for well done. Oh, nice. So again, (laughs) you know, a lot of the signs visually make sense. Um, Yeah. So, you know, because everybody naturally uses gestures and some people more than others yeah um, you but would it's m- part of the communication and I think that's another thing that during lockdown being able to sort of see each other online is important because if you're just chatting to someone on the phone you can sort of get their sort of tone of voice and that helps if you're looking at an email it's really hard to kind of think, right, what did that person mean when they said that? Because you don't get that level you lose so much, don't of you? communication. So the visual aspect of communication is really important. And that's yeah. where it sort of develops further by adding those those simple signs in. It is the vast majority, isn't it, of communication is body language, tone, gesture. It, instead of just the words that we say it all lies in the nuance of how we present those words. So like you say, if if you take away the visual, that's a lot less information than you're getting. And if you take away the audio, that's even more. If it's just kind of written, I wonder how many scraps in offices or snarky email chains could have been avoided if people had been face to face. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and I think that's probably why businesses are sort of now trying to kind of gauge where they move forward with having people back in the office and actually technology being able to give us this element that we didn't have, you know, in the past where it was, you know, either written down on letters or, you know, we developed onto having the phone. But now we're in such a better position to be able to sort of navigate, you know, going forward being able to see each other on, yeah. on video calls and being able to have that extra element of the communication is really important. And it's why it's really useful with um, the little ones coming into the classes and then using that at home with their parents. Yeah. Because it's it's helping them to make sense of this language that they hear that's audio, but might not really make sense on its own. Yeah. It's, it's all encompassing. It's the visual side of it. 
the the language being heard and then obviously moving on to sort of reading that and understanding it in books yeah you know if you think about children's books it's not just writing it's visual and they're getting a lot of information from those pictures and then the tone of voices the parents are reading to them yeah you know, it's definitely and it's that kind of like seeing adults forming words I know that that is a really big part of how children learn to speak and learn to speak kind of that kind of the it's like a mirror neuron in their brains you watch an action done and it lights up your brain if we were going to put um you in an mri scanner it's kind of the reason if you're watching strictly come dancing that your your legs jerk while you're watching the dancers <laughs> you're sat on the sofa but your brain's lighting up all of these neural connections um that would be working if you were doing the dance yourself and so when children are watching adults speak or perform actions their brains are making all of these connections and it's a really big part in how they learn it's how humans learn to do anything physical um so one of the I mean we kind of do it in clinic we do gait analyses and we make people watch videos of themselves running in a particular way to try and cement that technique in their mind after they so they've performed the action badly and then hopefully we coach them and they perform it a little bit better oh, that's so interesting. <laughs> hopefully <laughs> but it's the same kind of learning pattern I'm sure that happens with speech with children um and it's it's really tricky as well kind of like I guess that for the last year or so a lot of children have only seen strangers you know people who are not in their household people who are not in their family or their bubble have had masks on and then when they're trying to communicate with children like I was in a coffee shop a few weeks ago and I was wearing a mask and I saw a toddler in a pram and she you know children stare don't they so she was looking at me and like a little bit suspicious (laughs) I obviously looked a bit dodgy that day (laughs) and I thought you know normally I would be um pulling faces at toddlers in queues because firstly it's wildly entertaining for myself um and secondly I, you know it's nice to make children yeah. smile and laugh I think you just naturally do it I do the same I see yeah. them lots of, like smiling okay, okay, <laughs> and so I'm kind of like smiling at this little girl and she can't see because I've got a mask on Mm. she can't see what I'm I'm looking back at her and she's looking back at me and then I thought oh well maybe I could do some interesting eyebrow dancing uh didn't go down well she didn't like that and she started to frown at me (laughs) I thought "Mm, I'm gonna leave this before I make her cry (laughs) I think it is tricky for them I mean We've all had to adapt to, to the mask wearing. Yeah. And but imagine if you were going out into the world for the very first time yeah. and that's what it all looks like. It must be pretty scary. Yeah, I think <laughs> babies are very adaptable. And although your mouth is covered, so obviously they can't see that element of the smile, there are other parts of your facial expressions around your eyes mm. that can indicate you know, what, what's going on. And in the same way as when you haven't got the mask on and you're communicating with little ones, it's not just about the words that are coming out. It's, you know, they're watching your mouths as well. And mm. that's obviously where lip reading develops in terms of, you know, people that can't actually hear what you're saying. That becomes more important, but it's it's still part and parcel of learning. And, you know, I myself sometimes struggle to hear what someone's saying with the mask on because I can't see their lips and that for me We're is a, a big deaf, really. important <laughs> bit of actually what people are are saying yeah um but with the babies 
surprisingly, I think because a lot of them have seen parents and other people with masks, it's normal to them. Yeah. So actually, as long as they can still see that, you know, mum's you know, eyes are, you know, lighting up. And yeah. The tone of voice she's using and that close communication, that's still settling for them. And they are surprisingly resilient. I've had a number of parents who were really worried about their babies not having socialised with having been through lockdown. And actually, once they were in class, they see all the other babies, they're smiling oh, away. they're fascinated they're, they're, by other children. Watching them, they're watching yeah. the other parents. Um, if they're able to move, they're actually like, well, I want to go and say hello to that child. And so actually, that has been lovely to see that they are still, you know, very much wanting to learn, wanting to communicate, wanting to be with with other children. Yeah. And yeah, I think as much as parents have been worried about that aspect, um, you know, generally with the littler ones, I've seen that they are quite confident. I think it's maybe the ones that are a little bit older, sort of the toddler age, mm. that are finding it a bit harder and the parents are finding it harder because they've gone through two lockdowns. Um, so perhaps, you know, they had baby in the first one or baby was quite little yeah. and actually having then gone through another lockdown again and, and not that had that opportunity of... to get to classes when their babies were little. I think those are the parents that probably found it harder mentally to sort of deal with what's going on and where there may be a little bit more sort of delays with the development of little one's speech because they haven't been around lots of other people yeah. talking. And so I know that some of the inquiries that I've had for the toddlers have been people who've never been to classes at all, but are now worried about their children um, not talking as quickly as they, they thought they would, worried yeah. about their socialisation and, and, and just, you know, wanting to get them out of the house and used to other people and used to other children. And thank goodness they've got the opportunity to come and do that with you, Lisa, because it sounds like <laughs> it's just such a fun environment for them to be in. So if people want to find your classes, where is the best place for them to look? Okay, so we have our website, which is tinytalk.co.uk. Um, my specific part of that website is then forward slash Lisa M.A., but if you just go onto the Tiny Talk website or you Google Tiny Talk, that will bring up the main website. You can then pop your postcode in on the map and then it will show you where your closest classes are. Because obviously we've got other teachers in the West Midlands as well. And it may be that depending on what else you've got on or yeah. some parents, you know, I know some parents that are now at the point where they're going back to work. And if they're still part time, they might still be be wanting to access classes but restricted on what days they can do it so that way they can see you know if my classes don't suit them is there another teacher nearby like for example we have Felicity who teaches in Tamworth oh. which obviously isn't too far yeah um so between us obviously I've got you know Litchfield and St Carlfield but she covers Tamworth yeah and we've got one of my mums who's actually training this weekend oh. um to become a teacher herself so she started with me in October last year, I think we managed a week of in-person socially distanced classes. And then we had that random three weeks yeah, where we, we moved had... back online. Mm. So she she's had a combination of online and socially distanced classes. And her little boy is just an absolutely fantastic sign. And he's 14 months and he's just hit 56 signs. Oh, wow. And, you know, he's just... And he's using them in class. So, all the, you know, the, the moms with the younger babies have seen it modelled and like... Okay, so this is, you know, what my little one could do as well and seeing how useful it is. Um, So she'll be opening classes up over sort of 
uh, hence with Burntwood sort of direction. Um, so, you know, there's plenty of sort of scope there. Yeah, amazing. To, to find a class that suits them at a time for them and their little one. So onto the Tiny Talk website. Um, I know that when we look at the RSS feed analytics for this podcast, we've got lots of listeners in Leicester. We've got some listeners in, actually in the southeast. Hello. You're not really supposed to be here, but we'll let you. <laughs> Um, and actually, even some in America. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, we haven't got any teachers in America yet. Although not I know yet. that Katie would love that. <laughs> um, uh, because during the last lockdown, um, we actually launched uh, weekly sessions on YouTube to help to uh, support the parents. And quite a lot of watchers from... And so, yeah, we did end up gaining people watching from other parts of the world. I know that some of the people that follow me on Instagram were saying that they were loving the sessions and they were in America. And it was yeah. like, oh, could we, could we get some classes over there? Who would get to go and train over there? That Wouldn't would that be, be nice? Let the border open back up again a little bit. And then, Lisa, you'll be finding yourself being flown over to Los Angeles <laughs> to teach the stars to sign. <laughs> that would be amazing. So, Lisa, thank you so much. You can find Lisa's classes for Tiny Talk in Sutton Coalfield and Litchfield maybe one day in LA <laughs> but until then all around the Midlands there are tiny talk classes that you can take your babies and toddlers to and learn to sign thank you so much for spending the afternoon with me Lisa oh, you are so welcome and thank you for let me chat about baby signing with you Thanks for listening to the Healthy Midlands podcast. Make sure to hit the follow button so that you can be the first to know when the next episode is up. Leave a review or share this podcast with a friend if you found it useful. And for more, come and find us on Instagram at Healthy Midlands. <laughs>